Hey folks, in case you missed it, the single barrels have started rolling in. Both barrels of the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Barrel Proof Rye are available through Hudson Wine Market, with direct links in my social media pages and Instagram bio. These also went out to patrons with a special discount code. These barrels have been going so quickly that honestly, I don't even know if they're going to be any left by the time this is posted. So if they are available and you want them, trust me, don't wait because someone else is going to grab them first. Next up is the Barrel Rye finished in Armagnac casks. This is going live on October 2nd. This incredible pick was done in partnership with the guys at This Is My Bourbon Podcast. The Timbip guys are great friends, and I'm thrilled to have this barrel come into the shop. On October 2nd, Patreon members of both podcasts will have first dibs with free shipping for Patreon supporters. No limits, no minimums, free shipping for Patreon supporters. So up your Patreon pledge now if you want to grab them before everyone else and get that free shipping code. Just want to take a quick second. Thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you to all the supporters, especially my friends on Patreon. You've put a ton of investment into the pod and the site through the years. And as these single barrels start rolling out and additional products start rolling out, I'll keep providing as many perks as possible to those who have supported me along the way and continue to join. If you're not a patron, if I was on the outside, sounds like now's the time to join. All right, enough updates. Now on to a new episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Hey, folks, welcome to a new episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Today, we are going over to Ireland. We're going back across the pond, and we're going to, uh, yeah, one of the westernmost points of Ireland, which is County Kerry. One of my favorite places that I've ever visited, one of the most beautiful spots in Ireland, already a beautiful country to visit. Uh, and with us is Sir Morris O'Connell, who is behind Wayward Irish Spirits, The Liberator, and Lakeside Estate. And with that, hi David. Welcome on. Th- thank you very much for having me on board. Uh, I'm glad you've been to Kerry and you've loved it. That's uh, we 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 like to share share what we have here, uh, and uh, it's great that you enjoyed it. Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, geographically, just to put in people's minds, it is the southwest southwesternmost county. So basically, the peninsula on the southwest coast of Ireland that is County Kerry, and not it's when you think about the green of ireland and emerald isle and all of that it's hard to beat going through the ring of Kerry, the hills of killarney and i didn't think it rained that much but maybe it was just because <laughs> it was over the summer i don't know yeah it's, it rains slightly more in the summer slightly more. <laughs> well this year it has anyway so uh, yeah we do get a lot of rain it's what keeps the land green and the people looking so young apart from me but- it works. It works. Yeah, you too. <laughs> um, it may be audio only. I'm not letting you get away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, first off, I wanted to ask where the title comes from, where the Sir comes from. Um, one of my great, great, my great, great, great grandfather, um, Queen Victoria came to visit Killarney in 1862. And one of my ancestors was one of the great and good in Killarney who was involved in receiving her. So as a result, a few years later, he got a, a title for it uh, and, uh, and and decided to build himself uh, this new house that we're in now in 1870, more fitting to his, uh, to his new station. He promptly died the next year, so never really got the, the chance to enjoy it. 
Well, that is a shame, of course, but um, beautiful house. Of course, I haven't had a chance to visit this particular house, but uh, the pictures on your website and of just doing uh, some searching online, it looks just picturesque as could be. So I, but yeah, in doing the research, I had looked through a bunch of interviews and listened to many of them. And of course, everyone would address you at first, you know, introducing Sir Morris O'Connell, but never, no one ever asked why this, where the Sir came from. So <laughs> like, a couple, a couple of a couple of people have, but uh, I mean, I don't use it. I mean, it's of absolutely no value to uh, to to in Ireland, especially. But if it marks me out as being that person with the title, and people remember the whiskey because of it, so much the better. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, we're here talking about Wayward Irish Spirits. Uh, it is uh, new, fairly new, as far as Irish go new whiskey producer. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, distilling and potential distilling down the line in this interview. But for now, Irish whiskey producer, blender, finisher, uh, and bonder. Exactly. So starting at the uh, beginning of the company itself, you launched on kind of in both an auspicious and in retrospect, unfortunate date. Yeah. <laughs> because, Feb- uh, February the 29th, 2020. So right. it was a, a leap year uh, and uh, two weeks before a certain pandemic closed the world down, which seemed at the time to be a huge problem and a huge disaster. But in retrospect, it may it meant that a lot of people were at home trying new whiskies. Uh, B, it meant that we could uh, get to people, we could speak to people online uh just as easily as the big boys could so we it, it sort of boosted our advantage i think to to launch then and uh yeah i mean hopefully we'll look back in another hundred years that uh, that was a little blip at the start of the company uh hopefully and with the so when you launched were you you launched with the liberator yeah, the, we, we have two two brands, the Liberator, and the first expression of which is the malt in tawny port finish, which you've had a, a sample of. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, 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 we launched that. Uh, um, and then shortly afterwards, brought out a blended whiskey. So uh, most of our, um, I really love port finished whiskies. I have a very sweet tooth. So you'll find that a lot of my whiskies suit that palate. My view was that if I wasn't able to sell them, at least I'd be able to enjoy, enjoy drinking them. Uh, so fortunately, I've been able to sell a few and not have to drink it all. But uh, what we, most of our whiskies are, are, are the result of really fresh port casks uh, and which we get direct from the Quinta in Portugal, and they're refilled here within three weeks. So if you're buying from a wholesaler, they can be sitting around for six or nine months drying out. Ours are wet when we, we refill them. And obviously you get that, that big boost of flavor um, from that. And as you mentioned, I've been able to try the, uh, the Liberator the Malt finished in the Tawny Port, and it yeah, I would say it, it does lean towards the sweeter, but I felt it was very balanced in doing so. 
you know, it could, I, I liked sweet to a certain extent as well. Um, but it didn't get to a point where the uh, one where you lost the whiskey, which is yeah. important for me, but um, also where the port took over, it felt more like um, kind of between a port and a PX in a way, like a little syrup okay. and fruitness uh, also bright red. Um, but yeah, it was, it was balanced. And that for me, that's the biggest thing with finishing. As long as it's balanced, there's a lot of potential. Yeah. And it's quite difficult to to get that get that right. There's a a lot of fiddling that goes goes on to try and try and get that. So we would generally use um, casts that have been with uh, whiskey that's been finished uh, in first fill, second fill, and third fill port casts to to get that balance right. You've of course, with the talk. Okay. Sorry, of course, with, with the with the tawny, you've got that nice drying um, finish to it as well, which comes through. And I like to make sure that we've still got that. No, definitely, that comes through. Uh, again, not too much. It's still in balance. Like I, I'm someone who's very sensitive to over wooded whiskeys. Okay, so too much of that astringency, but um, no, this was nice. It was it was drying in a mouth watering kind of way. It drew more moisture in rather than completely drying you out right so i know I, I quite liked it and um going back to to your self-professed sweet tooth um i know one of your favorites i believe is the red breast 27 yeah it was yeah yes was. I, definitely it's not something i get to try very often but we did have because where we are is so beautiful the uh we had a, a certain uh well we had jameson whiskey came and had an event on our land in the huge glass marquee uh, this time last year and uh, uh, just to, to entertain their American distributors. And uh, the, kindly they invited me along afterwards to uh, to enjoy the free bar, which included copious quantities of uh, Redbreast 27. So uh, I, I did my fair share there of that. Fair note. That is... It's one of my favorites as well. It it's quite rare, and even more so when you find it. It's usually out of reach for me in terms of prices. You know, five, six, seven hundred dollars. Yeah, um, and yours is the same level. Yeah, yeah. So it's, so, it's not an everyday drinker. No, for sure. Um, for us, but for us, yes. Um, but there was uh, one other that you mentioned on uh, one of the podcasts. It was the uh, Bushmill Steamship Collection as well. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, some of the Glenmorangie uh, port finish whiskies, um, yeah, that, those those were were inspiring for me to start with. Uh, but then you have to try and do something different because uh, uh, much of our whiskies will be younger, yeah, at the younger age age group. So, um, and I was very conscious that I wanted to a wanted to do something different, but wanted to make a whiskey that was impactful that people would remember. Uh, if some people don't like it, as long as there's a there, there's a, a good contingent of people who who love it, um, that's that's what I'm looking for. Makes sense, and yeah, not everyone's going to like everything, so no. can't can't please everybody. But I like the approach of making a whiskey that you would like to drink. As you're right, at the end of the day, if it doesn't sell, which this has clearly, <laughs> but if it doesn't sell. Well, then you've got a lot of whiskey that you'll like. Yeah. That is that is much more affordable and in reach than the Red Rest 27. Yeah. So uh, you said 
jumping even further back, uh, you said that the idea for a distillery or a whiskey company, however it was going to manifest, really started around like 20 years ago, or even a little bit more at this point. Um, but it was a slow burn over yeah. that 20 years. Well, it wasn't possible. In Ireland, the only way you could produce whiskey was in in a, in a huge industrial complex like Irish distillers. Uh, I mean, they, they, they're, they're, their site is many, many acres of production space. And it, it wasn't possible to produce whiskey at a craft scale. And uh, it was, um, for me, the journey started, well, the, what the thing that generated the spark was uh, I bought a, a mirror uh, about 20 years ago in London, uh, which had on it O'Connell and Flynn Irish whiskey. And this was sort of, has sort of followed me around uh, for the last 20 years. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was never more than a pipe dream until in about, I think, 2012, uh, Dingle Distillery started up in Kerry uh, locally and showed that you could actually produce whiskey on a craft scale and uh, and after that it became a bit more a bit more possible to to do it also you weren't able to buy wholesale whiskey so what we do as whiskey bonders we commission spirit from lots of different distilleries uh, to our mash bill our specification and we lay that down in our choice of casks and we choose the maturation journey that it's going on, uh, uh, on until very until about 2015. There was there was no wholesale whiskey available to to uh, startups like myself. Uh, but in 2015, you had people like Great Northern and West Cork starting to to make wholesale whiskey available, and so the the idea of the business then became possible. And so there's two directions I want to go with that. First is that uh, Dingle is nearby for you. It's the Dingle yeah. Peninsula is pretty close. So 20 it's not miles away. 20 miles away. So it's not even that it would be, you know, you see a craft distillery in Ireland and, but it's in some, you know, different part of Ireland, maybe up way up in Donegal or on the East coast where you've got to think, okay, it's completely different terroir, different environment. It was nearby. So you could see not only was it possible, but it was possible in your relative area but to be honest actually i was working in london at the time and i only heard about it when uh i got the prospectus for for dingle distillery so and i know a couple of other people uh for whom that was uh an, a point of inspiration as well so that this was before they actually got up and running uh and before they actually even had anything to sell so so that that was that was about 2012. Right, right. And but still just a couple of years later, you were creating your own plans, 2015, 2016-ish. And well, we really started in 2018 uh, when we got uh, revenue approval for our bonded storehouse on the estate. So we have a 300 year old stone building in which we mature our our whiskies, uh, and we do all the blending and the bottling uh, there. Um, so it was only 2018 that we actually had revenue approval to do this. So that was really when the hard work started. Um, even so, 
thinking about then between, let's say, you the different inflection points. You see the Dingle Prospectus, which says, okay, this is possible. You see them producing, which is even more so mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah. Um, the idea comes to your head to say, we're going to try this on our property in our way. Then you get the bonded warehouse where you can start actually producing the way you want to, blending and producing. And then 2020, when you launch, yeah. um, there's a lot of inflection points in a very short period of time. Uh, even oh, for even more for than that, David, there was yeah. a, there was a, right at the start, we were in touch with, uh, and this would have been about middle of 2017. We were in touch with a guy in Scotland who who'd put a deposit on some uh, on some Muller stills, uh, and didn't have the the funds to complete the purchase. So we were in talks with him about bringing his stills over to our property and starting and starting distilling on site. Uh, the it, at the end of it, his wife decided she didn't want to leave her family in Scotland, so it never happened. And I actually think we dodged a bullet because if we'd been trying to trying to do that at the start, uh, it would have it would have been a very different journey. Uh, and I'm sort of happy the way the journey has has been so far. We will be distilling on site, uh, probably 2026. Um, so uh, and that was a bit delayed by the pandemic, but it's definitely on our radar. And so you mentioned already, and this is also from Irish Whiskey Review when you were on with them, but you mentioned oh, a couple yeah. already. Yeah. So of the you so you just you source from seven distilleries, yeah, uh, across Ireland. So um, the five that you were allowed to name. And this was from 2021, so this may have changed. But the ones that you were allowed to name were West Cork, Cooley, Great Northern, Clonakilty, and Dublin Liberty. And then the other two were uh, to be kept under wraps until they were in the bottle, I believe, right? Yeah, and and also we, we've got a couple of casks from another distillery that we, we will never be allowed to, to name, but it's just particularly nice liquid, and it will add to the add to the to the blending that we're doing uh and it's not necessarily important to be able to to say where it's from they don't want us to to reveal it so um i'm i'm happy not to uh but we like to be transparent about what we do uh as much as possible but if other people have have issues with our our naming them well we obviously won't do that and it was interesting for me, at least uh, coming from an American perspective, to hear you be able to even say the five of the seven you were able to. Um, very often when it comes to sourcing uh, in the States, it, it's NDAs everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, you kind of have to guess. You know, If it's Indiana, you can kind of guess where it's from. If it's Tennessee, you can kind of guess where it's from. But um, once you start getting into other states and other, it's just, it becomes kind of a just a, a blank canvas at a certain right. point. So, and the thing is, you, you can't fight this. The way the way yeah. the way the world is going is is transparency and provenance, and people want to know where their where their food, where their drink is coming from, uh, and you certainly can't fight that. the The whiskey world, in particular, is filled with geeks and nerds, and I include myself in that, uh, who who want to know. And uh, they wonder why you're you're being cagey if you're if you're not giving out that information. 
So uh, I, I'd rather just be on, just, <laughs> just not have to worry about that and just, just be, be as open as I can be. Um, oh, it's, it's a nice thing from the consumer side. I, I like that. Uh, I mean, these are distilleries that, yeah, I've, I've tried things that were distilled at Cooley. I've tried things at Great Northern. I don't think I have tried from West Cork, Dublin Liberty, or Clonakilty by this point. Um, I know there, there are a lot of Irish distilleries coming online in the last couple of years, so I know I'm definitely behind. Yeah, so yeah definitely behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, it gives me a reason to then go to those distilleries and try to find some of their products. Mm. You know, Of course, Cooley and, and uh, Great Northern is easier because they're huge and they um, supply many different distilleries in addition to their own brands. But maybe I think West Cork and Clonakilty I've seen around Dublin Liberty, I don't believe I had heard of before. Uh, so it, but it gives more reason to explore the Irish whiskey scene. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the two that you couldn't name and, and maybe still can't, I'm obviously not going to ask you what they are. <laughs> you're, um, you're, you're picking, you're picking at this now, aren't you? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you what they are. I, I, I certainly don't do that ever. Um, I just more wanted to ask about the, I guess what I would consider like a conditional NDA where you can't say who it is until it's in the bottle. I guess I was just asking about it because I've never heard of an arrangement like that before. And it, it fascinated me as an example of one in NDA, but also to ask maybe if you can share why it would have been arranged that you could do it after it was in the bottle, but not before. I was insistent that we would be able to do it uh, when, when we bottled it, but from their perspective, they probably don't, if they've got their own liquid coming out, they don't want confusion about that. And if, if we bring it out earlier, uh, how, does that, how does that affect them? And, uh, and generally what we promise to do is, is that we're not releasing it as, as, a, as their liquid, right. uh, just, just as a single, a single malt or a single pot still. We're using it in, in our blends. Absolutely. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't do gotcha questions, so I'm certainly not um, asking for any early reveals, not, nothing of the sort. Uh, yeah, it was just an interesting arrangement. Um, I, I get the concern of the confusion, but also because you're being transparent about we're not just getting from this one or two, we're getting from seven, then there are different amounts in each blend. Uh, I would hope that at least from the consumer side, we would see the two, let's say the two products next to each other and say okay we know that this is from this one distillery this is a blend of multiple distilleries obviously they're not going to taste the same mm. plus they'll have whatever your own sense of place and scent of blending is so um, that well, was really on, just on, my reason for on at least one of those the the their uh, one of their concerns was that we'd just be produce we'd just be producing the same liquid that they were but with a different uh, the, with a different label on it but from what i'm trying to do here is to is is to build up a library of of flavors and style to blend together uh i don't want to 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 bring out um uh, pot still with the liberator name on it it will be a component of a of of a whiskey that we make sometime in the future, and so what led you to the to using not only these distilleries but the number of distilleries? Now you could easily have just done two to three, let's say, but there are seven as part of the blend. Yeah, it's it's well, no, the, the seven is what we've got laid down. 
So we're not okay. using those. Some of them are are uh, uh, some of them are, are this new, this year's new make. I mean, some of them will be will be now five six years old. Um, so we're not using all of them uh, at this stage, but it's it's to add to the to the DNA of of what we can offer. Gotcha. So it's really more about the providing yourself with as many tools as possible and flavor profiles as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, was there, were there any distilleries and you don't have to name them, but you can just be a yes or no on this one. Were there any distilleries that you really wanted to get liquid from and they turned you down? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, lots, uh, lots. I mean, a lot of people don't want and are very wary about their liquid appearing uh, in somebody else's bottle, uh, and uh, and they've obviously got the cash. Not to, they're, they're enough cash to to not need not need money from me. So uh, um, so good luck to them. Gotcha. As you're, so let's uh, jump into the the blending. Aspect. So this is more talking about the liberator, uh, the malt whiskey, and also the blended. Yeah. And so, I, just to set this up a little bit, um, there's an historical angle to this where blending is is a very old Irish tradition, uh, especially with bonders. And yes. um, you know, you think about all, all of the different Jamesons and and spots and all of the different brands that were, and many still are blends as opposed to being what we would consider kind of a single malt. Um, for kind of newbies getting into the Irish whiskey scene, the two terms I think that we're hit with the most are single pot still and triple distillation. Right. As these hallmarks of if it's Irish whiskey, it's single pot still and or triple distilled. If it's not those things, then it's something else. Um, now, as you do dig deeper obviously it's not true yeah um you, know, you can have <laughs> like the, all the best <laughs> right uh, you you can have the the red breast that's a single pot still next to the uh jameson just triple distilled um and not necessarily have both or either of those and still call it irish whiskey yeah. um so new distillers like you like dingle uh waterford sleeve league up in donegal are all showing that Neither of those is required to make a great whiskey that's identifiably Irish in style. Right. So starting with the the Liberator, what led you to use two malts in this rather than going a single pot still or some other style? A, I hate the idea of single malt, single pot still. Uh, as being, a, I mean, the Scots have done such a good job of convincing the world that the best whiskey has to be a single malt, which only means it's from a single distillery. It's no identifier of quality. Uh, also, that has to be twelve years old. Uh, they have done a fantastic job. I keep hearing, hearing in any of the markets, we we start talking to people. Uh, they say, oh, yes, well, we're looking for a 12-year-old single malt. Well, I say, yeah, but there's other things out there other than a single malt that's 12 years old. So um, I, I wasn't particularly bothered about trying to make something that was a single malt. I wanted a malt whiskey. I wanted, I, I wanted the... the, the, the uh, I wanted the maltiness of the malt to to come through, 
and it, I just happened to have uh, stock from from Great Northern and from Cooley that blended very well together. So that's what I decided to use. Apparently, it was the first time it had been done uh, in Ireland for for a long time, but that, that wasn't the point. Uh, I only found that out later, um, and I don't think that that necessarily makes it interesting or 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 or. Uh, it, I, th- I don't think there's anything particularly interesting about it being being two single malts blended together. Uh, we send a, a little bit of it to China, where they actually call it a double malt, twice as good. So, so, so we've been we've been using that in, in other markets as well. Not bad marketing. It certainly, certainly works. Uh, but so, knowing that you had. So you started with the the older stocks from Cooley and Great Northern, mm-hmm. um, and if I have my notes right, it was uh, anywhere from you know five to fourteen ish year old stock that at you had start, yeah. at the start. Um, we've already talked about your kind of these whiskeys that inspired you beforehand. Um, though though they inspired you, did you want to did you go in wanting to kind of emulate that profile? Or is it more you wanted to see what you could do that to find something that you would enjoy from from again a blank canvas? Well, to be to be honest, the 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 the, the, the we had the the the, the malt uh, in maturing in 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 tawny port casks, and this is the the liquid that we we had, and uh, I, I thought I liked the idea of a port. Uh, a port matured or port finished whiskey, uh, and th- this was what I had, and I was I tried to I made the the best of of what we had, and I I liked what we had, and I I have tried to to continue making blends that are similar to that in the, in the different batches that we do. And uh, you know you've said that each batch is going to be slightly different. You're not aiming to be exactly yeah. the same in each batch. Uh, well, we use moving. we use we use uh, Oscar Wilde's uh, great aphorism that uh, that uh, consistency is the last refuge of the uninspired. So uh, we use that to justify the the fact that each 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 batch will be different. And actually, what we find is that is that people have have people prefer one to another, uh, and it encourages people to come back and and maybe try another another one. And. Obviously, I've, I've only had one batch so far. Um, I believe it was batch five. I, I mistakenly left the bottom of the Yeah, yeah. Um, so with even with the batches being slightly different from each one, which I like that idea as well because you're, it's experiential. It means you want to go after these different batches to try them. Uh, has, I guess, how close do you try to hew to a central stem, if you will, and how far do you allow yourself to branch out in the profiles? We try, uh, but again, it's it's dependent on what on what stock is is available, what is what what is tasting good at the time, um, and we're not like our Irish distillers or or, or uh, and we don't have uh, a warehouse full of two million casks, so we have a much more limited um, palette to work with. Uh, but we try and keep the same, the, the, the uh, roughly the same style, um, but each one will be different. 
and with the podcasts in particular, you said you're, I mean, the turnaround time that you're getting is incredible. Three weeks is. Uh, yeah. But then, then it has to be in those casks for uh, the first fill is usually seven to nine to 11 months. The, the second one can be two years. The third fill is another two years before you get a different, a, di a, a different liquid to, to blend with. So uh, we don't necessarily have the 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 the, the all the 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 same exact. The components will never be the same uh, every time. So so uh, uh, we might not have the the stock of third fill or first fill that we need. So we'll try and we'll 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 try and work around that. And for the podcast too, are you usually using them? You stop at the three times and then. Uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, so far, yeah, we're not, we're not, we don't seem to be getting, getting much beyond, uh, beyond the third fill. So, and what we've done a couple of cases now is we've, we've given those off to, to, uh, for beer collaborations, um, and, uh, and we're just waiting to see what the, some of the results of that were really stunning, uh, but. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to see see what we can get out of those. And you have for those port casks, uh, as you kind of alluded to earlier, in order to get that kind of a turnaround time of from you know uh, from Portugal to Ireland in three weeks, so they're still wet when they arrive. Um, you got to have a connection there because you oh, need absolutely. to be able to grab it. Absolutely, because my um, well, the my wife has family in the north of Portugal, and where they are is is the summer place of the port wine families. So we've got our neighbours are Taylors, Symingtons, and a lot of other port port wine families. Uh, and although we're not getting from Taylors or Symingtons at the moment, um, the with being in the area and knowing people uh does definitely helps to get to get access to casks uh the first casks I, because because we we spend time up there in the north of portugal the my wife insisted a few years ago that i learn portuguese and uh, so so my first casks i actually negotiated for in portuguese so uh it's sort of kind of amazing that I didn't return with a bathtub rather than a rather than some some casks and have you continued uh learning the Portuguese or you think you're good right now with, I, 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 was, I was over last week sourcing casks and and it sort of comes back to you after a while I hadn't been there for a couple of years and uh, and if you're not using a language you 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 lose it quite quickly but yeah, I was able to 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 communicate. But then a lot, a lot of people do speak English there, so um, so so I'm saved most of the time. And I think a uh, port we see we certainly see it in finishes um, over in the states. But I think it's certainly not drunk as much as uh, similar to sherry. It's it, the fortified wines aren't drunk as much as regular wine versus mm. whiskey. There's that in between where. If you see a fortified wine, it's generally used more in, in let's say cooking or cocktails rather than just on its own and appreciated on its yeah. own. Um, but 
having said that, uh, of course, you're using Tony port. Now, you could, was there um, any experimentation with uh, other types of port, like a Ruby or? Um... Yeah, we we do on, on our uh, on our double port. This is a this is our blended whiskey, which is I don't know why I'm showing it to the camera because we're we're <laughs> on audio anyway. But just so you know, it's sure. that is that is our our what we call our premium blend. It's forty two percent malt that has been finished in tawny port casks. The balance of it is grain that has been finished in ruby port casks, hence double port. So uh, the uh, the uh, I, I, I like it, the ruby port is very different. It's much much uh, much more berries, much fruitier, uh, and and it works very well with the blended with the the malt and tawny. The so it's for so you said that it's more red berry with the for the ruby port. Um, how yep. would you describe for people who may not have had this specific port? Uh, what would be a tawny port profile? Uh, per, uh, figs uh, it, and and stone fruits um, that would be would be for me the the outstanding elements of that. I think you know, we've had a um, like I said we've had more and more port finishes over here, but it's it's not always made clear whether it's tawny ruby, okay, then something else. So uh, it's it's really dependent on the taster to be able to pull them out. Yeah, uh, there, I mean there, there hasn't been many even in Ireland there haven't been many tawny port uh, finishes before before we 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 brought ours out um, and. Uh, and there's a there's a few more now, which is um, including the the Redbreast have, have brought out a, a tawny port uh, um, finished pot still, uh, and that that will help the the market learn about port and 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 learn about tawny port, and hopefully will widen the market for the rest of us. I should hope so. It's a nice uh, market to get into. I'm certainly enjoying it uh, from from this perspective. So. I'd love to dig a little more into the the blending process that you have, uh, and just started simply that uh, you said once that you you can't do the blending because objectively, every cask is the best that you've tasted. Well, every your own babies are are are, are always mm -hmm. are always beautiful, and uh, yeah, I, I I most of my casks are are delicious in their own way. And uh, I have a lot of casks that that uh, I sort of keep keep aside behind for single cask releases, uh, but I actually do eventually have to use them in 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 blend, so I can't keep them all specially. No, I I, I do need other people's input in it, and we there's a group of three of us who do the blending. Uh, we have a, a Scots guy who only really wants to do things the way it's they're done in Scotland. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, there's, I have a a a, a a a a Swiss German lady who helps as well, who is gives me a perspective on what how we fit into the rest of the world of whiskey because it's not just we're not just competing against Scotch whiskey we're competing mm -hmm. against world whiskey, and I'm the third sort of third leg of the stool and there's me. Uh, trying to convince both of them to put more port finished stock into the 
into the blend. And as I'm the one who pays, it's usually I, I get I get my way more often than not. Uh, but it's as you as you as you rightly pointed out, it's quite difficult to have to get a balance. And uh, for me, if I was doing it on my own, I think it would probably just be very unbalanced. Which some people, which some people like, and we do we do some single cast releases which are hideously unbalanced, but but people really mm. love them. Uh, so uh, so th- there's room for both. As of uh, as the time we're recording, I will have had um, three single barrels just come out recently in the last few weeks, and that led to a discussion of single barrels and what they should be, I guess, or what people idea okay, or what people idealize them as being. Yes, I usually go by it should be the two ends of the extreme. It should either be the most pure representation of what a brand is about, so like the very core of their profile and what they would go off of if they had a chance or a choice or it should be something so uh either off profile or out there that it couldn't be blended in it's really special and needs to be on the end of, end of that extreme and shown on its own because if it's in the middle and it can be blended in then it might be a good cask but might be a special, but that's just my yeah, perspective I, on it. I, I'm I'm with you on that. Yes, it 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 does need to be one of the two, uh, because the the most things you actually need to be as stock for blending. So so it's the outliers that 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 are are, are the ones that become single cast releases. Um, right, and with the okay, so you're on batch five of the Liberator. Um, I also wanted to ask. With the blending that you specifically say on the website that you do a slow proofing process as so yeah. as not to stress the whiskey. Yes. Yeah. And- um that this is part of our our uh secret sauce that I, I'm glad not everyone else does. I mean in, in industrial whiskey, what often happens is is that the water all gets added in one go and that can stress the whiskey and cause saponification, which is a sort of soapy taste in the whiskey. Uh, what we do from, it comes from the cognac tradition. Uh, they cut their cognac to bottling strength over many years. Uh, but we find that six weeks cutting from cast strength, which might be around 60%, to our bottling strength of 46%, uh, if we do it, if we do it over six weeks, we find that that actually gives a much better mouthfeel and much better integration to the whiskey. Um, and I'm glad that not everyone else does the same thing. Um, on on some of our whiskies, including our Lakeview Single Estate whiskey, which we which we haven't talked about yet, uh, but I'd like to tell you about the, the that one we've actually cut over six months. Uh, and we're cutting it in the cask. Uh, that's not. It was only we only did that because we didn't have the bottles or the labels in time, so we had the time to 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 do that. So, uh, but still, we're 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 trying to we're still trying to do that over three months. And the the difference to mouthfeel to the integration is 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 really noticeable. This month's Impact Spotlight is on Nickneen. Founded by Annabelle Thomas, Nicknean has a pioneering approach to spirit making, 
putting innovation and sustainability at the forefront. Through Nicknean, Annabelle seeks to change the way the world thinks about whiskey from Scotland, and to create a whiskey which could exist in harmony with our planet and its inhabitants. Nicknean has created a spirit with exceptional body and sweetness, showcasing their smooth and elegant house style. This is achieved through a combination of sourcing high-quality organic Scottish barley, gentle fermentation and distillation processes, and maturation in a combination of three carefully selected cask types. Ex-American whiskey casks, STR, shaved, toasted, and recharred casks, that held red wine, and a small amount of Oloroso sherry casks. The result is flavors of lemon sherbet, juicy stone fruits, and spiced rye bread. This whiskey is set to disrupt the industry through Nicknean's commitment to sustainability and creative approach to distilling. With an uncompromising focus, the small team of eco-conscious drinks fanatics also dedicate 10% of their spirit production to trialing different yeasts not commonly found in whiskey distilling, all on their journey to seek out and find new flavors in their whiskey making. If you're a longtime listener, you know how interested I am in whiskeys and distilleries like this, and how excited I am that Impex is now bringing it stateside. Annabelle will be visiting Chicago for Whiskey and Barrel Night on October 25th, and will be hosting special masterclasses featuring the key components of Nicknean, along with their core organic single malts. These tastings will also include a sneak peek of Quiet Rebels Gordon. Only 630 bottles of the special one-time-only release will be coming to the States, so it's a release and an event you won't want to miss. Nicknean Organic Single Malt is currently on its way to specialty retailers across the U.S. For more information and questions on where to buy, please contact the Impex Beverages office at office at impexbev.com and follow on social media to never miss a release. The Whiskey Ring Podcast is proudly sponsored by Impex Beverages. I'm firmly on the side of, of slow proofing. It always happened uh, even before I really understood what it was and heard the terms pontification before. And um, for, for you and I, I, I definitely got some questions on, on the uh, lake side too. So I promise we won't be leaving without talking about that. But the, uh, with the liberator, the other thing that I wanted to ask about was the bottle design. Okay. Uh, and because uh, I've heard, I had heard the story, but I want you to retell it because it's a fascinating story on how that design came about. Uh, are you talking about the Liberator or the Lakeview Single Estate? Um, I They've all got stories. The Liber- that's true. That's true. <laughs> so I was thinking of the um, the perfume bottle story. I uh, know that's that's for the Lakeview Single Estate. Oh, it is. Okay. So I that's was- from yeah. that's this bottle here, uh, which is um, which is Lakeview Single Estate which is from my own barley grown a few hundred yards away from where I am and matured in our bonded storehouse, which is 200 yards from where I am. So gets to still, it gets separately malted for us. When we, when we first started, I took the, the first crop we have is 2018. I took the barley, I, I phoned the, the local malting company and they said, oh yeah, happy to malt it for you. Our batches are 120 tons. Our first ba- our first crop was 10 tons. I wanted to have five tons malted. Uh, and they said, yeah, give us your five tons and we'll give you five tons out the other end. But that wouldn't be mine. So it took a while to find a man up in, uh, in, in uh, County Kildare near Dublin who, does, who started doing small batch malting. So he malts in five ton batches. So 
so we can stand by that ours is that ours has been malted separately and is our barley, and then it gets distilled for us separately by Great Northern Distillery, and then comes back to the estate for maturation, uh, and uh, the. To sort of to to tell you where where you are with the the bottle, it's in a sort of decanter shaped bottle, uh, which my wife says looks very like Chanel Number no. Five, but that wasn't the the idea. But the it does the the inspiration for it came from a bottle that we had lying around in the house when I was growing up, uh, and it was a bottle of perfume that had been given to my grandmother on her wedding day in. 1923 and it had a glass stopper which had fused into the glass neck and as kids we'd be offered money probably to keep us quiet but uh, if we could open this 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 bottle and we were never able to so it sort of became an iconic uh, bottle inside the household and I'd always it always sort of frustrated me and intrigued me in, in equal in equal measure uh, so when we came to decide on the bottle for the Lakeview Single Estate, I wanted to have this decanter-shaped bottle, like the perfume bottle. Uh, and uh, it turns out that there's an even even more obscure story on it. The 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 liberator is named for my one of my forebears, man called Daniel O'Connell, who was a huge civil rights. Uh, Catholic rights and anti-slavery campaigner in the 1800s uh, and known as the liberator in Ireland and often called Ireland's greatest son. Uh, but uh, so we, we, our liberator is named for him. On the Lakeview single estate, the bottle of perfume, was, the original perfume bottle was for a brand called Dorsey, Parfum Dorsey, which was started by a Count Dorsey and as it turns out, somebody told me afterwards, after we'd launched this whiskey, that Alfred Dorsey had been a very good friend of Disraeli, the British Prime Minister. And as with many other people, Daniel O'Connell had upset Disraeli. So Disraeli had challenged Daniel O'Connell to a duel and actually asked this man, Alfred Dorsey, to be his second in the, in the duel. Uh, Alfred Dorsey refused, so the duel didn't go ahead. So that was a good thing. But but all these, I love all these historical connections. We try and use our historical connections in our barrel choices. So we've been importing wines and spirits from Spain and Portugal since 1450. So we 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 try. That's what started me on the porch journey, uh, and. Uh, yeah, so we 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 like we like to like the connections. Uh, so getting back to the Lakeview Single Estate, uh, the that is matured here, uh, and so we've got the the. I know you're a big Waterford fan, so the we've got the the terroir of our barley. So for better or worse, if it this isn't. This isn't classic barley growing territory because our weather is very changeable, and the the if we get storms, which we often do, the barley can lodge and you can lose the crop. So it's not an ideal crop to be growing here. We've been growing it here for decades, but we've been wasting it on animal feed until about 2018 when I decided we could 
probably do something better with it. And uh, so, um, so it gets distilled for us, Great Northern, comes back here uh, to be matured. Uh, and I was telling you that we have very variable weather. So the my theory was that because of this variable weather, we should be getting a lot more cask interaction here than elsewhere. Uh, and th that should mean that our whiskey matures more quickly here. And we've been measuring the temperature now in our storehouse for the last five years. And uh, as you probably know, whiskey interacts with the cask when it's above seven degrees. Uh, so we have a maturation season here where the temperature is above seven degrees because of where we are with the Gulf Stream over where we are. And we have a maturation season of 10 and a half months of the year. Now that compares with places like Speyside, which have six months of the year. Uh, interday, we have these huge changes in weather. It can be raining in the morning, sunny in the afternoon, mainly raining most of the time, but, <laughs> but, uh, but we can have sun and then snow uh, in the winter, that is. So it is very variable. But that we released this this Lakeview Single Estate in November last year at three and a half years old. It's a pot still whiskey. Pot still whiskies need to be slightly older uh, to 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 be at their best. But this three and a half year old whiskey, most people are saying, tastes like a seven or eight year old whiskey, and that is because of our maturation microclimate. Yeah, it was, it, I think both with Drew on Whiskey Lore and um, it might have been the second oh, You have done your research. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and I think on the second episode of Irish Whiskey Review, um, yeah, you were, you were saying also the not just the temperature, but the air pressure because of all these storms yeah. and the weather coming through. The pressure yeah. is going to force more but interactions. A change, a change in, in weather is a change in pressure. <laughs> so that's, that's presumably causing the whiskey to go into the cast more or contract from the cask um, sure. and and uh, there, there must be something that is that has made this it's a nice whiskey as well which is great it's not just a fast maturation story because you can taste whiskies that mature very quickly that actually uh, aren't that wonderful uh, but uh, but but uh, there must be some reason for it tasting much older than it does uh, and I ascribe that to the to the climate. Absent any other uh, variables that I can think about, I I can't see how you'd be wrong on that. It, it's such a fundamental thing about aging and about maturation. I would think that that's at minimum it's the most prevalent yeah. variable there. Yeah, I mean, but but everyone has a every whiskey maker has a special story whether it's sure. the well that's blessed by saint whoever or 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 um um i mean there are many many other stories uh but um, this is this is our story i did i did meet uh, mark rainier in a car park the other day and and tried to have conversation with him about maturation terroir but didn't get very far but he, he was very pleased that i was using I was using my own barley. Uh, it, it's a goal to uh, to have Mark on as well. He, um, I, I got to talk to the Waterford team, of course, with Mark Newton. Um, but I've got, because there's so much to discuss there, 
uh, as yeah, I'm sure you know. Uh, I'm also talking to his team about the the science of and trying to get an episode just devoted to the science of how they're figuring that out. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, and I, I love diving into that. Uh, and that reminded me of a question I wanted to ask you, which was about your barley. Um, so you had been growing this barley for you know for years before you wanted to do whiskey from it. Did you have to change varieties? Yes. Yeah, uh, because previously the the uh, what you're looking for is starch um, rather than protein when you're making when you're making whiskey. Starch converts to sugar, which converts to alcohol. Um, so uh, when you're growing barley for animal feed, it's protein you're looking for. So we did we did change varieties. Uh, we're using laureate. I don't know if that means anything over there. Um, yeah. And also that the that is a choice we have here because of because of our changeable weather. The the first uh, sorry the second year we 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 grew our crop we we tried Olympus, and uh, we some was Olympus some was Laureate and most of the Olympus grew too high and there was a storm and it, it fell down lodged mm-hmm. on the ground and became useless for for malting so. Uh, um there are lots of conditions at play sure in some ways it's uh it's not too dissimilar i think to when you look at different peat styles and how on both on isla and on orkney opposite ends of the scottish peninsula or the scottish mainland i should say um you have two islands where the winds are so strong that trees don't really grow there yeah. Uh, so instead, you get uh, in Isla, you get the bog peat or the maritime peat, and in Orkney, you get all heather. Mm. And it's because the trees would get knocked over because they grew too tall, but heather stays close to the ground and not too high. And so yeah. it eventually it survives. So yeah. that's it's part of that place of what can grow is the best thing that should grow. Yeah. The sense of place, I think, is really important to, yeah. to in whiskey making. Uh, well, for us, anyway. And before I forget, too, uh, you mentioned that every bottle has a story. So I had confused the perfume bottle for the uh, Lakeview instead. But I'm guessing then that the Liberator also has a story behind the bottle. Not not a historical story, but but uh, but an awful lot of work went into it. It's it's a it's an unusual bottle uh, in that it's sort of cylindrical in shape. Uh, a lot of the old people, old whiskey guys, tell me, "Oh, it doesn't look like a whiskey bottle." So, yeah, I mean, the, what's the point of me of doing the same thing as everyone else? The whiskey is different, so I mean, the bottle might as well be different. We chose it for aesthetic reasons. Uh, the uh, the stopper was 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 a very conscious choice. We went through. I think we we tried seven different different types of. Of cork stopper to see which one made the nicest noise coming out uh, and which worked best. Uh, so yeah, there was <laughs> there was a bit of work that went into that as well. And look, there are, there are podcasts where it may not be the focus of the entire episode, but they start and they're friends of mine. They start the episode with a cork pop for whatever they're drinking. All right, day. okay, yeah. And if that cork pop isn't impressive, they hear about it. So, but at the same time, if it is impressive, you also 
get to say, all right, you win that day. So <laughs> I, I really do love the, the bottle design uh, it being cylindrical. And of course, there'll be pictures alongside the reviews of this, but uh, it's very easy still to hold, yeah. um, to pour the wide, it, the, the mouth itself widens at the top. So it, you can pour it without spilling and it's easy. So I uh, quite liked it. And, and for a bottle also that is not that expensive, it has that aesthetic quality to it, which I, I can appreciate. And uh, you're saying I right should now, put my prices up. Well, I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> um, maybe let, let me buy a case first and uh, you know, then you can do whatever you want. Um, but yeah, I appreciate having, there should be some bottles on your shelf that don't cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but still are, if you'll allow me to put it this way, pretty enough to put at the front of your shelf. So people can see right. it. And I think this bottle Thank fits you. there. I know it sounds like we're jumping around a little bit between the two products, but Jumping to the lake side for uh, Lake View. More now. Lake View. I'm sorry. I keep saying yeah, Lake no side. Problem. I apologize. Yeah, for that. no problem. Um, so the Lake View estate, and I have it written in two different ways in my notes. That's very sloppy of me. Um, the Lake View estate are not only using your own barley, but aged in uh, STR red wine casks. Yes. And um, you you did mention the house that they come from or at least one of the houses they come from i think we, we won't put that but, out yeah, on, on, yeah we'll hold yeah. that <laughs> yeah so i have to be but, careful um, with that because i won't be able to get any more that that's right. one of the other things about cask suppliers is they don't want um it's different for for whiskey suppliers cask suppliers don't necessarily want uh until they know what the quality of my work is they don't necessarily want to be associated with with a new brand and who who can blame them? They don't want their name tainted if it's not sure. going to to benefit them. So, uh, um, so yeah, we 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 expect that. It's I'm happy to share with people individually where the casts come from, but I just have to be a bit wary about saying saying it too much in public. No worries at all. I think uh, so. As that, I, I know one of them. Let's just say, which we can say with safety, it's a very well regarded uh, house. Uh, in in france and if you've had any of these wines you'll appreciate the cask uh, but so even so even so by shaving toasting and recharring them uh, it's a quite a different process than you're using with the port casks where it's coming over wet and right away yeah but but the, these things these casks are also i mean the the turnaround is is in terms of weeks there as well so they're getting freshly emptied and being being uh, um, being being processed in Bordeaux. Um, the it's not exactly shaving because normally the well it is shaving because they they're using a plane to shave the individual staves. Whereas in with a normal STR cask, what they'll be using is a flail inside the the cask to get rid of the old char before recharring it. And that mm -hmm. tends to seal up the to 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 close some of the grains, whereas with if you're shaving it with the grain, you're you're not closing up the the grain of the of the of the wood. So uh, so you you're you're still you're still getting a lot of interaction with the what was in the cast before. If you look at the color of this Lakeview Singular State, um, yeah. that, that I mean you can see that. That there's a lot of red wine influence 
um, from from that in a short in that three and a half year period. So yeah, you uh, you would never pick that out off the shelf as as I would say less than ten years old, just on color alone, of course. And we yeah. know color can color can be manipulated, but yeah, uh, which we don't yeah. do. Just to- no, no, yeah, yeah. To to be clear, they don't uh, do that. No chill filtering, uh, but. It was more just to say that it's it's quite a lovely color. It's a nice amber, mm-hmm. light amber color, which for a three and a half year old whiskey you don't usually see unless it's really heavily it's finished. Actually, in reality, it, it's much deeper than yeah. it, it's quite a deep amber color. Um, but the, the I mean the choice of cask is 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 obviously hugely important. But for mm-hmm. for me, what what I would judge where I judge the cask is is often by a, you want to make sure it comes from a house where they've got enough money to look after them properly. B, you want the liquid that was in them beforehand to have been of exceptional quality. With those two, with the and you see, you want them fresh. So with with those three conditions, you you stand a decent chance of being able to make a good whiskey out of it. We have other uh, other releases which we bring out every few months called storehouse specials. Which are little half bottles, uh, which can be single cast releases, cast strength versions, or or trials of blends, or also occasionally just to show off what we can do. Uh, but we one of the ones that we've done there was a Moscatel sherry cask finished whiskey, uh, and that's been hugely popular. But the I, sherry isn't a big, doesn't really. I'm not. A, huge fan of sherry but um i was given a bottle of the sherry that was in these moscatel sherry casks and i was just so it was stunning so on the basis of of that of that taste i i bought the casks and it was fantastic decision because they had a a really fantastic uh effect on on the whiskey Mm -hmm. Some of it is coming over stateside to Ohio in early next year. So um, you might be able to get some of it then. I've got friends in Ohio. I'll figure something out over there. Um, yeah, I. it's notable that you were able to have the sherry from the cast. I mean, sherry finishing is more common, certainly, than port. Yeah. And we see it a lot, uh, particularly in scotch. And, but because sherry, as you notice, it's not as many people are drinking it. So the quality can be all over the place with the casks. It can be just seasoned and then dumped down the drain. And then you have a sherry seasoned cask, but. And what they're seasoning it with is, is it can be vinegar uh, or wine that will, will go to vinegar. But, but if you're, if you've got good quality liquid in there to start with that, that's a good start. Absolutely. And start with the good quality. You'll have something that, Undeniably, better quality at the end. Hopefully, yeah. So, just to look to the uh, the future of Wayward Irish. Not only do you now have two, really three, I would say, um, lines. You've got experimental casks and releases coming out. Um, I heard it's also included some trying to get some Guyana rum casks. Uh, yeah. I think you had Barbados ones, but you were still trying yeah. to get the Guyana. All right. 
you've been talking to somebody, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, because I mean the my on my maternal side, uh my mother my mother's family were uh went to Guyana in the early 20th century and then on to Barbados from there. And they started a trading business there. So we like to, as I say, we like to connect with with that history. Uh <laughs> The the the, the rum cask, yeah. There's, there's 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 possibilities there as well. So, and I do want to know before I uh, ask you my my last question here, which is, so sorry. Before I ask you my last question, um, I do want to know there's so much history behind the brand, behind the name. Uh, got just as a preview of 900 years of history on the site where you are right now, between your mom's your mother's family and then your father's family. Uh, first the McCarthy's and then the O'Donnell O'Connell's. Wow, excuse me. First the McCarthy's, then the O'Connell's. As you can tell, I have not uh, had anything to drink this morning, so I am <laughs> trivial with my words. Um, but the uh, the only reason I should say this for the listener too is the only reason that I'm I'm skipping for the large part a lot of this history, including that of Daniel O'Connell and uh, many of the different figures and and happenings that happened here. Uh, is certainly not just for the purpose of skipping him. It's more because I want to get into more in-depth answers. And uh, there are several fantastic interviews that Morris has given, in addition to the website itself, the brand's website, to learn the story, uh, some of the real nooks and crannies of the story and the fun facts, such as, like you said, the connection between Dorsey and the perfume bottle. And, you know, these are all things that add to the experience. So I did want to note there's a lot of history that is being skipped over for this particular episode, but I encourage well, people I to listen. Sort of, yeah, I was sort of expecting you, uh, based on your your email, because you you contacted me originally because you'd been <laughs> I, I listened to your podcast with uh, Justin uh, Green at Bertha's Revenge, and yep. your initial email said, "As a recovering medievalist, I'd mm-hmm. be very interested mm-hmm. in your story." I was expecting to have to give. Uh, bit more chapter and verse on uh, on the 1450s but uh, yep. we'll do that another time yep it, it really came down to of course i was very interested in it don't get me wrong on that it it more came down to uh in doing the research and listening to other interviews and podcasts i know that it, it had been covered in a way where i didn't feel that i had a question beyond what i've asked already that i could necessarily add to this story into the storytelling okay. and so in that way i just ended up cutting that for um other questions about process and about thought process so that's really it i'm still a recovering medievalist and um <laughs> so and when i hopefully get to visit sometime i will that part of me will just come out like you've never seen so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so th- with the looking to the future you have you are planning to at a still two stills i believe at some point yeah. in the future now it was originally 2024 but you said the pandemic delayed it to 26 yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know paint us a picture what does that plan look like um we we're in our whiskey complex you might have seen pictures of it in the on the website there's a two-story um, um old coach house uh, which is is just next to the bonded storehouse, backing on to the barley fields. So we we plan just to distill the grain that we grow on the estate. The um, so for the Lake, Lakeview Single Estate whiskey, uh, and uh, 
alongside that, the whiskey bonding side under the, the Liberator brand will continue because we've got lots of whiskey laid down to to keep us going till probably 2030. So um, there's a lot of maturing whiskey there, which we'll be able to use over the next few years. So um, the the whiskey bonding side is a really important part of the of the story, and uh, Lakeview Single Estate is is um, is of this place, and we want it to be. We yeah, we want to share what we have here with people, uh, and. Uh, Whiskey is a lovely uh, medium for doing that, and if it's your own whiskey, it's even better. Totally agreed, and I believe again, check me if I'm uh, I've gotten this wrong, but planning for a 500 and 1,000 liter stills, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, well, but I to be honest, to, to be to be honest, that there's a there's a, there's beginning to be quite a lot of stills available for purchase uh on the the market so it it will be probably governed by by what we can what we can get um i i love the idea of people making their own stills but yeah i i'm not sure i've got the the headspace for that i'd love to do it but it's it's another step um there is just too much going on at the moment um and uh, and just getting headspace for things is 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 tough. Fair enough, and I, I I'm thankful to know a couple of people who either made their own stills or kind of got stills and adapted them. And it's uh, I think it's not for the faint of heart because if you if you mess up a little bit, like you're still could blow the top off or you know yeah. something will crack. And so um, yeah. I think there's people who are really good and love to do that, and um, I would not be in that. I would not be in that group. I would be very much like, just give me the still to these specifications and and go with that. But there's that, also uh, there's also cost comes into it as well. So, oh, well, I might sure. I'm I might yet be converting a milk carton milk crate into uh, into a still. <laughs> See how it goes. Well, there's in just in addition to the 900 plus years of history, there is a lot of future yet to come for wayward our spirits for the liberator for lake view estate um i will i'm going to keep in when i said lakeside because it well no i'll see if i can double it up we'll see um because that that's my error i should have caught that earlier but in addition to liberator lake view estate and all the different expressions coming out uh there'll be more expansion into other countries into the states as you said we're in new york and new jersey right now going to be in ohio uh, for that product in the new year um i'm excited to introduce more people to these brands and have them taste it and thank that you is, that, that's that's good that, that it, it's if you're a small brand you don't have you don't have huge numbers of people walking the streets pushing your whiskey so Generally, what we try and do with our export markets is go to places where where people have fallen in love with 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 what we're doing and will push it that way. That's the only reason we're 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 in uh, Shanghai in China is that the 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 guy who runs our importer there just fell in love with with what we were doing and 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 runs with it. 
So I'm happy for that. <laughs> Always good to have fans in your corner and you've definitely got one here. So Sir Morris O'Connell, thank you so much for coming on to the Whiskering Podcast to talk about Wayward Irish, talk about uh, not as much of the family history as you might have expected, but still some of the family <laughs> history, but talking about the brands, how you thought about it, how it all came to be. Um, hang on with me for a sec after recording, just close out. But uh, we will also have in the show notes a review of the Liberator that I got to try, links to all the social media where you can find them online, where you can find them to buy if you're in New York, New Jersey, or know people there who can uh, find it for you. I definitely encourage you to try it. This is another episode of the Whiskering Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed our trip over to Ireland to Killarney, and I will see you all next week. Hey folks, thanks for listening to another episode of the Whiskering Podcast. If you like what you hear, please go ahead and click that subscribe, follow, or like button. Leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice, and let me know what you want to hear. You can reach out to me through the podcast apps or email me at david at whiskeymywedderring.com with any suggestions or ideas for new show guests. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash whiskeyinmywedderring. That's whiskey with an E for as little as a dollar a month. $5 a month gets you access to bonus content, including our soon-to-resume Under the Influencer series, and $25 a month means you join the Barrel Share Club. Each month, Barrel Share Club members get to try products sent to me for review, bottles from my own collection, and sometimes bottles I just pick up because they're fun or interesting. Right now, only five spots remain in the Barrel Share Club, so grab your place today. Finally, Please follow on Instagram. You can follow me at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or at Whiskering Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Whiskey Ring. You can follow on Facebook at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or join the Facebook group, the Whiskey Ringers group. And I hope to see you there. Cheers. Thank you for the support and see you next time.